The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Daniel Rowland from Lander. Daniel Rowland is the Head of Strategy and Partnerships at Montreal's Lander, Professor of Recording Industry and MTSU in Nashville and co-owner of LA's Immersive Mixers Atmos Studio. He's produced music for an Oscar-nominated Pixar film, worked with artists as varied as Adrian Ballou, Bad Babby, Nine Inch Nails, Philip Glass and Gucci Mane, as well as Disney's Marvel and Star Wars and the Sandbox Metaverse. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, what's going on, Julian? Great to meet you. So we're here to talk about Lander. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone uh, in the sort of in the audience of of kind of knowing of Lander, basically for 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 one thing and and not much else. I'm sure that will come up, but we should probably start off with just kind of like who and what uh, is our Lander. Sure, great question. So Lander is a group of now, geez, about 130 uh, musicians, developers, music fans, you know, etc all you know, kind of obsessed with the intersection of art and technology and how we can combine those two to get beginners and pros making more music and, and better sounding music, right? So, and as you mentioned, like we started in the mastering space, that's kind of what we've been known for for the majority of our our time. I mean, we've, we're almost 10 years old at this point. So on the mastering side of things, you know, again, again, as most people know, AI mastering, we've grown that to about 4 million users and you know, spent tens of millions of dollars uh, on that. And I came in actually as, as one of the mastering engineers kind of training the engine. And I think that's important for anybody who's not, you know, is not familiar with this type of technology. It's not like, you know, there are products that claim to be AI that's just like a preset or, you know, not particularly intelligent, but we have like teams of mastering engineers, both internal at Langer and pros out in the industry that kind of listen and tweak everything and, and really dial it in and train this engine kind of like a baby to get smarter and make decisions like we would. Mm. And that's, that's kind of where um, we started. This is a theme that I've picked up uh, actually uh, from uh, from just kind of checking out the 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 services in the round it's services and products actually i mean you you can you can buy on a one off basis but uh, sure. there's so much more of it than i realized and uh, kind of that's what i was alluding to earlier of like you know lander are kind of known for one thing because you know yeah. a lot of people kind of went oh ah, ah what what's going on here um uh, with the uh, with the mastering thing some people push back sure. i'm sure we could maybe talk about that or not but oh, yeah. the thing about <laughs> the thing about uh, about it that i didn't realize is that it goes all the way through the whole process now from uh from composition through production through the mastering and then distribution um it's it's yeah. kind of like uh i don't know nose to tail if you like yeah it's been a really interesting journey for us because that maybe wasn't the intent when we started out right we you know lander and this is before even my time i've been there for about seven years um you know started with the ai mastering thing and then okay so you know we kind of our whole journey has been dictated by our user base, right? So like, okay, so what logically comes next to mastering? Okay, distribution. So users want distribution. We moved into that space and did pretty well. And then we just kind of, you know, especially a lot of the users who come to Lander are that kind of aspiring, though we have lots of pros now too, a lot of the aspiring artists, aspiring producers, and they're looking, they were looking for kind of more of an all-encompassing platform, kind of a turnkey thing where they could come in and get everything, the baseline of everything they need to create. And then they could start tacking on stuff from third-party companies that are you know, amazing companies like Native Instruments and of course, uh, Slate and everybody else. So that's kind of what we did. So we moved kind of to the left in the creator journey and okay, so how do we, how do people master music? Well, they need to, to make more music. So samples and loops. So we moved into that space building our own plugins, virtual instruments that we'll probably talk about and, and uh, you know, mixing plugins, getting into collaboration tools. So being able to, you know, 
you know, stream high quality audio from your DAW to somebody else or do project management in the cloud and backup files and mm. exchange files. And it's just, it, I mean, I, it, it goes on, but kind of building a cohesive kind of ecosystem that can get you from wherever, meet you wherever you are and get you to wherever you want to go. And that's kind of what the company has become. Fantastic. I mean, it's bigger than I realised as well. I mean, that's probably a, a, that's a, yeah, something I won't go down. Too. But I, I was very surprised when you said how how big and how long you'd been around. But uh, yeah. um, so, so, I mean, this makes sense, and it it seems to be tracking trends that we've certainly been aware of on the blog. Of, uh, I mean, you've mentioned AI. We're we're very much of the opinion that uh, that this is where a lot of the new developments going to be coming through in the tech sector is about removing barriers, uh, particularly yes. barriers around, um, you see, I was going to say expertise, but that's slightly a loaded word to use because uh, um, uh, experience, is that a more neutral term? But you know what I'm driving at about people being able to produce and create the ideas that are in their head without having a learning curve uh, to, to climb up first before they can do stuff, the technology not being um, an impediment to doing that. Um the, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing what you might call an ecosystem here. I mean, you said that wasn't the plan, <laughs> but uh, I mean, how's this going? Where where who who is? Uh, there isn't going to be one answer to this, but but kind of in terms of the kind of the users and the the usage that you're seeing, is that something you track of the trends that you can identify? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's certainly the intent now, right? As we've kind of like everybody learned as you know as we've moved through our product life cycles and the, the history of our company. So um, yeah, I mean, that's where. We, it's it's no secret, right, that, you know, much like video creation, the tools for that were democratized by social media and other means, you know, music industry has been a little bit behind that as we mm-hmm. tend to be on certain things. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's where we're headed. And, you know, I, boy, this is a rabbit hole we can go down is, you know, people, there's opinions about whether it's a good thing to provide kind of simple and powerful tools to creators, or if, you know, if that creates quote unquote bad music and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm certainly not one of that opinion. I think what I've what I've found in my research, and you know, both as a, as a teacher and as a you know professional on the tech side of the industry, is mm. the wider you can make the funnel for people to come in and participate, the more a percentage of that is ulti- ultimately going to feed the professionals, you know, and get more work for all of mm. us as mix engineers, mastering engineers, labels, all that kind of stuff. So I, I rarely see it as a bad thing. More music equals more good music. Not all of it's necessarily good, but if the more comes in, then the more they'll come out good. I, I've always thought, but uh, you know. yeah, you know, it's it's really intriguing to think about that because you know it's all you know. Lander at one point when we were just kind of mastering, we're considered kind of a disruptive technology, right? That's kind of a played out term at this point. Mm. But if you think about what that is, right, that's tech that's like bottom up and not top down. It's like embraced by the masses, seen as a bit of a toy or a joke by the establishment. And as it improves, it gains market and mind share. And so it's not so disruptive or challenging anymore. And that's kind of been our path. And now you're seeing that same path for you know other products that we're creating and products that other people are making that, that have some form of intelligence. And those tend to be the more controversial things now, like the AI mm. composer assistance, right? And things that are actually kind of getting in more in the creative process to, to assist people. Creating tools that are appropriate, that don't assume prior knowledge um, is definitely something that I'm seeing and something that I'm seeing in in quite a few places, including in in Lander's lineup of of products. It's not necessarily a bad thing, just because if you you understand, I mean, let's take an easy example, music theory, just because you've got something that that can shift notes around diatonically onto a scale doesn't mean that it doesn't take away 
anything from you if you know how that stuff works already. It's, yeah, I can't see I can't see a loss in that at all. But uh, removing these barriers, yeah, definitely, I'm 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 down with that. I saw that you're um, with the, with instruments and with uh, I mean you're providing raw material for instruments and then providing the instruments with which to compose and providing the tools with which to mix. Um, Yep. In terms of production, you, you're not you're not as far as I'm aware in the door space, though, are you? you... No, we, we kind of our position is we're we're effectively DAW agnostic, right? We position ourselves as a DAW, almost an extension of the DAW or something that runs alongside it. So you kind of stay in whatever environment you're comfortable with, and then we offer tools and services that either live inside the DAW to expand its its you know capacity or you know drag and drop into into our interface or again launch video chats or back up you know save mm. your projects and work with other people all that kind of stuff and that's where we've kind of found our niche so it doesn't mean we don't aren't going to partner with the AWS but we're not mm. you know looking to enter that space at all sure, that's a, sure. that's a yeah, that's a lot yeah. Of work. Careful what you wish for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, exactly. Nope, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's already done that. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Um, so, I mean, I'm seeing sort of, uh, I mean, there's, there's some sort of like, um, uh, clearly some kind of aggregation. I, I don't know if it goes as far as partnership or what, but I mean, looking at, mm -hmm. for example, uh, um, uh, there's some there's some stuff with um, with Vocaline, which I spotted. Yes. There's, uh, there's uh, so, uh, Antares popped up when I was looking around in the plugins. I, I mean, you sell or sell subscriptions for your own plugin products. But also other people's as well. Yep. Is there much of an extent to this uh, partnership aspect? Uh, is it sure. just platform based, or are you actually actively working with any any partners? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So, kind of, you know, our overall goal. I mean, I talked a minute ago about you know all the different stuff that kind of Lander encompasses, and plugins and you know instruments are a, a, a big portion of that. And kind of what we're doing is, you know, you give everybody a subscription that is, you know. You get all that stuff for, let's say, 10 bucks a month, and then we continue to add value to it. So continuing to add plugins and instruments is a big part of that. And some of those we are developing in-house, and I'll talk a bit about that because we kind of like to try to put an interesting spin on things that we build. And some of it is, as you said, partnering with third parties, either to do you know custom builds of products that kind of take the Elander aesthetic with some of the tech that these companies have, or just bringing them in uh, is, is third-party partners. Uh, like Vocaline is an example. We acquired Vocaline last, or uh, Synchro Arts, excuse me, last year. So we get access to Vocaline and Revoice and some of the amazing kind of, you know, tools that they have, while also seeing that as a way for us to build, you know, do what our core competency is, which mm. is, you know, machine learning and intelligence to build into some of, you know, partner with some of their tech. So there's just a lot of different ways we go with that, whether it's uh, a deep partnership or it's an acquisition or it's something that we're doing yeah, on our own. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And I mean, of course, there's no reason for, there's no reason why you would want to obscure the fact that it's uh, who it is that's behind your um, your vocal syncing no. technology because, hey, they're the people who do it. So absolutely, I get that. And they're known for doing it very well. So, indeed, yeah, indeed. So, um, so what I'm thinking is, uh, I don't know if, if the if this is something that's necessarily answerable in in ways that would kind of would be appropriate for a podcast, and certainly in terms of sort of uh, length or technicality, but 
people chuck the word AI around so much, and it can mean a variety of things. I mean, I, I get that. But it does sound to me like, I mean, you're, you're actively teaching an engine. I mean, if we just take the mastering example, is, is, it, is it easy to explain what is going on there that, that makes it different from kind of like, a, you know, a preset-based kind of like, you know, uh, uh, oh, it's a rock track, pass me a number six, please. You know, it's some... Um, yeah, uh, sure. Is that something that you can, that you can talk to in, in terms that would be kind of meaningful to... <laughs> to us well i mean as an as a as an audio engineer and not a machine learning expert i can explain it to you in terms that make sense to me uh so sounds ideal yeah there you go so yeah i mean it's so basically what happens when you upload a let's okay let's say you drop a track or an album into land or whatever um it it's going to break that track apart into a bunch of different features which is a machine learning term and that could be stuff as is relatable to an audio engineer as spectrum or dynamics or stereo width or what have you. And then there's a lot of other stuff that we go into as well, including identifying genre as an example. Mm. So what's going to happen is it's going to, you know, identify a lot of these different qualities of your particular track. And then we've analyzed over the past, you know, whatever, eight years data on lots of different, um, uh, you know, mil- literally millions of different songs, right? Mm. In different genres, what they sound like mastering-wise. And then the big part of what I do uh, and what I did initially at Lander is I head up a mastering team. And that mastering team masters thousands and thousands of songs for the major labels, as an mm. example. We've had deals with Disney and, and Warner, who are also, Warner's also an investor, as a Sony. And we're basically aggregating all the knobs, you know, and buttons that we press and the engine's learning from that. So it's not just learning from like analyzing data sets, it's also learning from quote unquote supervised machine learning where we're effectively training it versus what it would do on its own, if that makes sense. And I'll even have the same engineer, different engineers master the same song. So it's mm. it's not just one person, it's a number of them. And then of course it's taken a lot of years to amass enough data for that to be impactful, but we've really see it, seen it make a difference. So that's, that's a big part of what I think makes, and people should go test all this stuff out, but I think makes us the best sounding one. It's not just that we invested a bunch of money, but we invested mm. thousands and thousands of man hours into helping it make decisions comparable to what myself or one of my colleagues would make. I see. So, uh, because, I mean, I've, I, there have been products out there for a while that that will draw on a data set. And, I mean, yeah. if the premise is I... Uh, part of the plan of, of of taking taking something to mastering is to make it sound more like a record. Then, if you've got a lot of a huge data set about what records sound like, then you've got you've got the information you need to kind of steer it in that direction. But you're saying on top of that, there's this training element and and revising what it does. So not just drawing on a data set, but also some something about how it interprets that data. I kind of, I, I kind of get it. I'm not, don't want to go too far into it because neither of us are, are AI, <laughs> AI experts. And that, yeah, we should probably leave that alone. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I, I think we should probably get this one out of the way, but um, certainly when uh, Lambda first came across, most people's awareness it was for the uh as 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 it was banded around automatic mastering it's it was we said it's it's not entirely automatic might be the wrong word to use that's what i'm going to say but there was certainly some pushback from uh from uh, sectors of the industry um who thought that it was it was in some way dumbing down it was it was reducing quality it was it was bad in all sorts of different ways what would you say to this kind of perceived resistance from the industry well, I would say I had the same resistance, right? In, in, in certain ways, do, still do. So it, it depends how you frame things. And I actually love engaging with, you know, colleagues of mine and, and you know, other professionals and talking about this kind of stuff, because I think 
it, it's easy to have a knee-jerk reaction until you really think a little bit deeper about what your what these type of tools can be used for, depending upon the people who are making them, right? Everyone, it's it's, it's all about the people behind these products, and that's a, that's a whole other rabbit hole we can go down. But like, mm. so let's take the mastering product as an example. So when I came on board seven or so years ago, I thought. I'd never heard of uh, of machine learning or AI being applied to music production previous to that. And I thought that the company's mission was cool. I just thought it didn't sound very good, to be totally honest with you. And mm. the mission was actually not to replace mastering engineers, because that's something I would have been like, oh, not so cool, given that that's how I make my living. Mm. Um, it was, it, I mean, if you think about it like this, so 90% of the people that make music, right, we know the democratization of, of technology has allowed anybody to at least become some form of a creator. And I don't see that as a negative thing. But 90%, maybe more of those people are are never going to be able to afford to hire me or people better than me to master their music, right? And in, in fact, a lot of mastering engineers might not even want to master the music those people are making as they're still kind of learning, growing, and evolving, evolving, excuse me, their talent and their, their art. Mm. So these are like, you know, the, the mid-level to aspiring creators who are like working regular jobs, trying to make their way in a competitive industry. Mastering's not exactly on their top of mind as far as a skill set they want to learn, given they're trying to learn production performance, mm. trying to tour, mix, you know, use social media to get their, that's, you know, to actually get people to hear their stuff. So that's a, it's a hard deal. Um, so unless you're willing as an engineer to work for $5 a track, or this user we're talking about is willing to spend 10,000 hours to be good at mastering, what is the solution for those people? I think it's it's not to say, well, no, you you don't have the right to have decent sound if you can't do it yourself or if you don't save up enough money to hire me. And that's kind of where Lander's mission was back then. And of course, we've seen a dramatic expansion in the number of people making music since Lander started. I mean, I, I was chatting with a, a, a friend of mine who's a very famous mix engineer the other day, and he was telling me that he was pissed about Lander seven years ago. And he thought like, oh, we're all need to you know, find other employment because it's mm. going to, you know, destroy the industry. And of course, he, as he related, it hasn't. It actually, he gets a lot of uh, references that come in that have Lander in the title, meaning people ran it through Lander as they were kind of iterating through their mixes mm. uh, and, and eventually ending up at a, at a mix engineer or a mastering engineer. And what we found is that more people now know about what mastering is and kind of the importance of it than have at any other time. It's always been this kind of dark art. And those people either stay with Lander, which is great, or they they kind of level up and start to use other tools we provide to learn some of it themselves, or a percentage of them, like as I mentioned earlier, graduate to actually hiring engineers. I mean, if you go on Lander's website, we have a whole network where you can you don't have to use Lander mastering at all. You can hire Howie Weinberg, you can hire me, you can hire mm. dozens of mastering professionals. So we try to serve everybody and be inclusive. I think last thing on this, I mean, I think it's it's you have to be a little bit careful about kind of the exclusionary privileged view about people who are making music. I mean, people talk about, you know, people are making bad music and in these easy to use tools kind of support that. I think, you know, it's kind of a siloed way to to look at the world. I mean, there's people in other countries who don't have access to the tools and opportunities that some of us did coming up, even though we busted our asses to learn the craft and all of that. The world is not an even playing field and we're kind of helping, we see ourselves as kind of helping to balance that out while widening a funnel that kind of brings more work into the industry for everybody. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. 
Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. It's an interesting point that I mean these are these are conversations that I mean I think all of us have have had in some shape or form before. But there's something you said in there that was interesting, and I hadn't heard said in quite that way. Is is that thing about exposure to mastering? I mean, I've said many times in the past that uh, loads and loads of tracks are, are, would just never ever get any mastering any other way. But it's the expectation that these aspiring users sometimes put onto mastering if it's some kind of magic Oof. bullet that'll turn a bad <laughs> track into a good one. And it's like I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. Well, if you have access to mastering, then you can find that out for yourself and realise that it's not going to rescue um, a, a poorly thought through arrangement or whatever it might be, or just a boring yep. song. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like okay, you've you've got your mastering. What? How are you going to use it now? Because you know, it's yep. this um, like you say, this gatekeeper principle of like kind of like oh, you know, you you can't have this. Of course you can. Um, and uh, uh, some exposure to mastering, it's 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 not a secret. It certainly shouldn't be. Okay. So I mean, Lander do more than I realised, but what is it you're trying to do differently? Other people do stuff. What's different about your approach? Right. So we've kind of talked about already, you know, the idea of us trying to be kind of broader than anybody else as far as offering, you know, as many tools and services for whatever 10 bucks a month that you can. So that's one thing. But when it comes to actually how we build tech, I think that's important to at least address. We tend to go one step farther when we design tools. And I'll just give a, a couple of quick examples about that. I mean, okay. so we moved into the the samples and loop space, all right? So not uncommon, right? Lots of places offer samples and loops, and we're, we're, we're doing the same thing. Got mm-hmm. millions of them. And okay, so we, we develop a plugin that works in your DAW for that. Okay, that's also not, you know, there's lots of people who do that as well. It's time stretch loops, loops, time stretch loops, excuse me, and meet you kind of in your creator environment. So then we said, okay, so what what else can we do with it? Okay, so we built kind of a baby DAW that runs in the cloud. So if you're on your mobile device or whatever, and you're on the train, you can go look at loops and you can assemble them, you know, know, like eight loops on top of each other and start experimenting with arrangements that will show up in the plugin in your DAW when you actually get back to your studio. Mm. And then, okay, so what are other pain points that people have around loops? And we're always looking at, you know, pain points for not just pros, but new creators. So we built like an AI recommendation engine. So if you find a loop that you like, and maybe you're not is familiar with key and you're not, you know, arrangements are challenging for you, it will recommend complementary loops that would go with that piano loop, let's say. So mm. it'll give you some bass loops and it'll give you some vocal samples and things like that. Just to kind of, you know, get people over whether it's writer's block or it's a lack of knowledge or it's whatever. We all face that whether we're beginners, beginners or pros to kind of, you know, get you on the path to doing something. And that's kind of an example of that. I'll give you one more real quick, which is something that I, I'm a big fan of that we've, we've built and was uh, you know pushing for this. We built a virtual instrument, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's called Chromatic. It's very simple on the at the outside of it, which is just a loop based virtual instrument, right? So you you go, you can play keys, you trigger loops that kind of go together. Uh, awesome. Um, and that on its surface kind of appears like, you know, it's a beginner sort of a thing. But what we did with it is every preset has like a digital rendering of the artist or the, the you know, guitar player, or the beat maker or whatever that cr- provided the sounds. And you can say, OK, you can see them. You get a little bio on them. You can go to their bio on the Lander network where you can, you know, stream their music. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, look at their social media. You can hire them if they want to be hired or if, for bigger artists, you can hire their teams to work with you. And those artists actually all share in the monthly revenue from the instrument. So actually, whenever you click on their kit and you or their set and you use it, they get money from that. And we're now actually moving into allowing them to work with the creators using their content so they can get royalties from derivative works for helping those creators promote them. So really kind of even within this virtual instrument, kind of to 
extending the functionality and the usefulness both for the you know established artists and for up and coming creators. So it's, awesome. it's just kind of a, a big part of our aesthetic as a company. Fantastic. When you were saying that, it was reminding me of uh, uh, part of my background is I used to, I used to teach a music tech course. I used to run a music tech course actually, and um, really? loads and loads of aspiring producers. And uh, something that I've seen so many times is. Uh, is people who could write the most fantastic four or eight bar loop and never take it further <laughs> than that. They'd hit the they'd hit that wall and they'd put some stuff together. But and if they were if they were giving me giving me work for me to for me to check out and yeah potentially grade or something. And I'd say, you do know what I'm going to do first, don't you? I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to take this file you've sent me, and I'm just going to dip into it at three different points along it. And if it sounds the same in all three points, that's a really bad sign. <laughs> and what yeah. I'd love is I'd love a tool that can aggregate and somehow understand and you know uh, analyze all of the loop ideas any aspiring producer like that's ever had, and make suggestions for something else they've done another time that would be really good as a B section for this thing they're stuck in. So there yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, and we've got we've got that coming too. But you know that's it's. It's also important, I think, and this kind of goes to that mm. network I talked about earlier, where we have actual yeah. mastering engineers, uh, you know, as an educator as well, you know, just like you are, you know, providing people, I, I, I as a creator might be able to come up with that eight bar beat, but I don't have, you know, a thousand dollars to hire one of Kanye's producers to come help teach me how to flesh that out into something that's an actual arrangement. But yeah. you can maybe hire that person for 50 bucks to come in for a few minutes and give you some tips, right? And that's kind of a yeah, big part yeah. of our thing is, is mentorship through our platform. So you can actually hire people who work with artists you like for a little sure. bit of money, not to do it for you, but to, to teach you a bit more. So that's another big part of this, whether it's an automated AI tool or it's a person coming in and helping somebody. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I mean, the, that's so often the difference between a successful piece of music and one that isn't, is just the extra the extra 10% that adds the huge proportion mm-hmm. of kind of like in, satisfaction in listening to it so okay i mean t- time's moving on but there's a question that i really want to put to you which uh, i think is particularly relevant to 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 you and and to lander which is what does the future of music production look like that is a great question and we'll we'll stay away from web3 and for now and just kind of focus on you know the the the, the kind of ter- current tools that we all have access to and what those are going to look like. I mean, I see, so the big thing you're seeing, right, is there are a few trends. So consolidation between the major players in the industry, whether it's through, you know, mergers and acquisitions or more robust partnerships and what have traditionally been done in the past, right, where you're just offering discounts on somebody else's stuff, or maybe you have an API. So uh. um, yeah, I see deeper integration bet- between what we're seen as more disparate products to bring a better experience to the end user, both pros and aspiring. And the, the other side of that is kind of where, you know, another place we live in, which is intelligent tools that help offload what have are typically perceived as tedious tasks. And that definition is different depending upon where you sit experience wise. So like for professionals, yeah. I would love something that automates restoration, right? I don't, I no longer love to do restoration on <laughs> everything. So like those type of tools, great for new creators, maybe something that gives them a baseline rough mix from which to work from, right? So uh, you know, or takes a melody, you know, that they hum on their phone and orchestrates something around it to get them started on, you know, towards making a, an arrangement. So collaborative and kind of assistive tools. And these have existed. I mean, they exist now and they've existed in various forms, but they've been, it's been hard for them to gain adoption without being integrated or operating alongside tools that already have scale of users, right? Like DAWs. So yeah. kind of why we've positioned ourselves as being DAW agnostic and, and you know, extending their functionality. And kind of that's where I, I think things are headed. And we're seeing that now. And over the next couple of years, it's going to be wild, I, I think, what comes out in the partnerships we see established. 
Interesting, really interesting, and and I it, it makes perfect sense what you're saying. I mean, uh, there's some trends that we'd uh, that we'd certainly been talking about for a little while, but uh, a couple of new things as well. Lots of food for thought. Um, okay, I think we should move on to find of the week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Okay, so Daniel, find of the week. Uh, What have you got for us? Cool. Well, I'm going to go, there's so much, uh, you know, part of my thing is to talk to startups. I'm always learning about new stuff, but I'm going to go in the Web3 space for this. So I would say I literally yesterday stumbled across something called Doper, D-O-P-R, which is a way to kind of discover and track value of music NFTs in a dashboard. So it's a, it's in beta and it projects earning forecasts for music NFTs for, for upcoming drops and things like that. I think that's, everyone is saying, of course, that space is going to blow up in the next year or two, but a lot of it's super speculative. And I think that is potentially damaging. So I love the idea that there's a tool that doesn't just help you track what you've bought, but helps really show you where things are headed so you can make sensible investments that I think will allow that space to kind of flourish. That's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling it now and uh, uh, auto, it got auto corrected to dope music, <laughs> which I was thinking, okay, that's not what I meant. But I found it. And yeah, I mean, there's a few things that oh, I, I struggle with NFTs at the best of times, actually. Me but, too. Uh, I, I understand what they are, but they still leave me faintly bewildered. But fair enough. Um, no, that looks really interesting. And, uh, and definitely it's, it's something that's it's, it's so early in the story of NFTs that I yes. think it's going to kind of change significantly over the, uh, over the the next few uh next few years so we'll definitely see where that goes to thank you very much mine actually is um it's quite appropriate for this one i hadn't really thought about this but um uh waves clarity vx um uh the pro version i've seen it doesn't really appeal actually but just having one big knob in the middle of something that just makes a load of dreadful noise go away is brilliant uh i was i, I was very happy to see uh dan cooper's dan used to dan used to work with the with the experts um some time ago but since gone to waves and he's made the most brilliant video demonstrating it where he's around the house with his wife and she's she's uh, uh doing vocal vocal takes and he's in the background doing the hoovering and stuff and it just gets turned down and uh, yeah Really, really amazing stuff. But this is absolutely the kind of thing that I'm talking about. About I'm with you with, I'm not big on uh, on restoration. I've, I have no burning desire to learn RX in and out. But if you give me a plugin that just kind of goes, yeah, that's what you meant, isn't it? And I go, yes, it was. Then I'm in. So yeah, Wave Clarity VX, fantastic. So that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you to my guest Daniel Rowland from Lambda for sharing his story. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast. <laughs>